This is Pastor Landon Davis. Thank you for joining us for our daily Bible study. I'm excited. We're starting a new book of the Bible, the book of Acts, and we're going to study the actions of the apostles. And I'm going to do something just a little bit different today. This first chapter is pretty short, so I just want to have a quick book introduction for why we need to study the book of Acts. Um, we're told in 2 Timothy 2 and 15 to give diligence to present yourselves approved by God, a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, properly handling the word of truth. And it's important that we understand the value of this book. Um, it's part of properly handling the word because when we want to see how people were converted in the first century church, in the original church that Jesus established, the book of Acts is the only record we have of conversions, of preaching to unbelievers, and so it's a great place for us to go, and what we're going to find is that we go there to establish doctrine, and a lot of people wouldn't necessarily agree with that at face value. They, they think of the book of Acts as just a book of history, and you get into the epistles to really get into the depths of doctrine. But the Bible tells us, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that every scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching or doctrine. And so the book of Acts is most certainly scripture, and it's profitable for doctrine. In fact, the majority of the scripture is historical narrative. Um, most of the scripture is not direct commandments. And so how do we find doctrine from that? Well, you start to notice the patterns and you learn what's expected of the people of God. And so just as we do with the Old Testament stories and with the gospels of Jesus and the deeds that he did and the things that he taught, the same applies when we look at the book of Acts. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20 says that we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So certainly we know the Old Testament prophets. We have their writings and uh, the New Testament church is in some part the fulfillment of some of the things that the prophets wrote and some were still waiting to be fulfilled. Um, but what about the apostles? Most of them didn't write but they're our foundation. And we know when we speak of their foundation, um, we're, we're speaking of their teaching. And so the record we have of it is what we find in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, Acts 2 and 42 says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine or teaching. So the early church, it started with what the apostles taught. Jesus had taught them, and then they taught it, and then they continued in that. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 through 2, tells us a little bit more about this foundation. It says the foundation, verse 1, is the repentance from dead works, of faith towards God, of the teaching of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. This was considered the foundational doctrine of the apostles, and this is what they were teaching in that first, uh, earliest day of the church. And we'll find this, I'm going to refer back to this Hebrews chapter 6 as we continue through the book of Acts, because we're going to find that whenever they had new converts, instead of following many of the more modern practices we have now, it wasn't a matter of just joining the church or repeating a prayer after the preacher uh, or any of the things that have become common practice now. But instead, we see that they immediately begin to lead these new disciples or new converts 
into repentance and faith and baptisms, a plural, that's water and spirit. I think we'll see that pattern. They would lay hands on them and prepare them for the resurrection and judgment. And so I'm reiterating that because when we begin to read, we want to be familiar with this because you're going to see how this is actually applied by uh, these hand-chosen apostles of the Lord. So let's go ahead and get started in Acts chapter 1. The first book I wrote, and this is a continuation of the book of Luke, or the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke told the story of Jesus, and then he picks up, has a a quick recap of what was in the last chapter of Luke, uh, and then he goes into the early history of the church. The first book I wrote, Theophilus, concerned all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was received up after he had given commandment through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also showed himself alive after he suffered by many proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about God's kingdom. That's going to be important. He's speaking about God's kingdom. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them, don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which you heard from me. For John indeed baptized in water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you now restoring the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it isn't for you to know times or seasons, which the Father has set within his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, in John chapter 3, Jesus spoke of the kingdom and he said the way that you make entrance into the kingdom of God is by being born again, meaning to be born of water and of spirit. Luke here opens with Jesus speaking uh, kind of a final word so that John 3 was one of the early uh, and clearest teachings that Jesus gave on the kingdom. And now this is kind of the final word he gives on it before he ascends. And uh, He's speaking about the kingdom of God. And what did he say? Well, he said, wait for the promise of the Spirit. John baptized with water, but now you'll be baptized with the Spirit. You see the same elements that he had said in that first conversation with Nicodemus so long ago. Um, And so he said, now the baptism of the Spirit's going to come. Now, when he began to speak of the kingdom, they had it in their mind that this would happen when you had the restoration of physical Israel. And so Jesus again emphasizes what he means when he speaks about the kingdom. He says, no, you're going to receive power when the Spirit comes, and then the kingdom would advance beyond just um, physical Israel. But he said, when you've been empowered, you'll be witnesses to all of the known world. Verse number nine, when he had said these things, as they were looking, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. While they were looking steadfastly into the skies, he went, behold, two men stood by them in white clothing, who also said, you men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who is received up from you into the sky will come back in the same way as you saw him going into the sky. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mountain called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. When they had come in, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. That is Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All these with one accord continued steadfastly in prayer and supplication along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Now, how important was the coming baptism of the Spirit? 
Uh, I mentioned this was right before he was ascended. So it was the last thing Jesus spoke to them before he went up to heaven. That seems to put a big exclamation point on it, doesn't it? And then he had commissioned his disciples, but he commanded them, these ones he had just called to reach the whole world, to wait in Jerusalem for the Spirit before they acted on this great commission. And he so convinced them that they all continued, it said, steadfastly with prayer and supplication. Supplication is asking. uh, And so this reminds me of the words of Jesus in Luke 11 when he had said, I tell you, keep asking and it will be given to you. And then he said, keep seeking, you'll find, keep knocking, it will be open. Everyone who asks receives, he who seeks find, to him who knocks it will be open. He was telling them persistently, keep asking. And what was Jesus talking to him about? This is Luke 11, verse 13. He said, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so he had prepared them ahead of time to to be diligent about receiving this precious gift. And so this group steadfastly prays, asks, and waits. And it included now all of the disciples um, of the 11 that remained, and even Mary, the mother of Jesus. And so if they believed it was essential for them, why would any anyone minimize the need of the Spirit and the ministry of the Spirit in the church today? Verse number 15, In these days Peter stood up in the middle of the disciples. The number of the names was about 120 and said, Brothers, it was necessary that the Scripture should be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who was guide to those who took Jesus. For he was counted with us and received his portion in this ministry. He was counted with us and he received his portion in this ministry. Now this man obtained a field with the reward for his wickedness and falling headlong, his body burst open and all of his intestines gushed out. It became known to everyone who lived in Jerusalem that in their language, that field was called Akeldama, that is the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be made desolate. Let no one dwell in it and let another take his office. Of the men, therefore, who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day that he was received up from us, of these ones must become a witness with us of his resurrection. They put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. They prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all men, show which one of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas fell away that he might go to his own place. They drew lots for them, and the lot fell on Mattias, and he was counted with the eleven apostles. So, uh, first, when we talk about the apostles, um, the ones whose doctrine and practice and teaching was supposed to be foundational of the church, we're talking about these who were the eyewitnesses of the resurrected Lord. And then there's a pattern we noticed here in the appointing of ministry to an office, and it Probably is something good if we would practice something similar today. The first, they wanted to make sure that these people were very convinced, had been with the Lord, had seen what the Lord does, had known His teaching, and then they were second. They were recognized by the brotherhood. Notice that um, they were essentially nominated by the other brethren, and then they prayed and drew lots. 
and we probably wouldn't draw lots today. That was an Old Testament practice of trying to determine the will of God. We don't see it anymore after the outpouring of the Spirit. Remember, Jesus said that the Spirit would lead us and guide us. But in this time where they were at, um, it was still the practice that had been used. And so they were trying to find God's will. It wasn't just a matter of men appointing someone, but they prayed and sought God's will in it. And then the results evidently were accepted by all because in a few days when the Spirit comes, it says they were still in one mind and one accord. So uh, one being appointed and the other not being appointed wasn't a cause for there to be hurt feelings or disunity. Uh, One final note I want to make here is, and I, I emphasized it when we were reading, that there was a point when Judas had truly been a minister and an apostle. But Judas fell away. And so we need to be careful that we stay as sincere and close to the Lord as we possibly can so we can fulfill our calling and ministry. Um, Let's pray together here. And I'm praying that the Lord will use this little study on the book of Acts to open people's eyes. We also need to pray and ask that the Lord would uh, fill us with the Spirit. If you're unsure if you've been baptized in the Spirit, or maybe you need a fresh touch of the Spirit of God, but it was always His will for the church to be uh, Spirit-led. And so we want to pray that we would be open to that, and we want to ask until the Lord gives us that good, precious gift. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray over everyone that will listen to this podcast. I pray, Lord, that you would baptize us in the Holy Ghost, baptize us afresh, lead us by your Spirit, let us be your witnesses. I pray that we would stay faithful and stay close to you, that none of us would fall away, but that we would fulfill your great calling, that your kingdom would come. We pray it all in the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Join me again tomorrow for another episode.